When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Sports Edition. We're going to talk about sensors in this episode. More on that in just a moment. First, my co host, Chuck Nice. Chuck. Hey, what's happening? Professional stand up comedian. You do stand up clubs, right? Pretty regularly. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the only way you can be a comedian. Okay, I guess so. <laughs> that is how you earn. That's <laughs> also, uh, Gary O'Reilly. Gary, former soccer pro and yes. soccer commentator. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're here, my co-hosts. Yes. All right, Gary, you, you, you. this is one of yours again. I, I just know the title of the show, Censors, but you're going to have to take us into it and tell us where, you com- where it's coming from and where's it going. So start us off. So... The show begins in space with a suit that has been designed for the planetary exploration of the moon and Mars. In a galaxy far, far away, a time long, long ago, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, We meet someone who not only worked on the spacesuit in question, but who wants to give robots a sense of touch. Now, this is going to press a button for you, Chuck. Oh, my. I was about to Plenty of show. Plenty of show. I was about to say. Who the hell idea was it to do this show? (laughs) This means (laughs) us getting into soft robotic technology. Mm -hmm. We will explore smart garments that are fiber optic based and therefore more photonic than electronic. That I don't have a problem with. That's more haptic. All right. That's that's more haptic augmentation than it is giving a robot a sense of touch. Okay. That's... Helping me right. be able to touch things in a better fashion. I'm cool with that because it helps me, a human being. Okay, okay. sorry. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and give you a soft landing here, Chuck. We'll see if you get a few bumps along the way. Um, right. We also meet 
another co-founder who is part of this team that is driving forward this particular project in so many different directions. The particular technology has multiple medical applications. Think computer gaming, wearables. They'll go there. It's a fashion item. And yes, you guessed it, it has sports applications as well. In particular, it'll be technique analytics, injury risk reduction, biodata feedback, such as breathing analytics, and much, much more. And you're going to love this, Chuck. The, the, the inner house husband that you are, it's also washable. Oh, mm. well, how thoughtful. <laughs> exactly. Right, let me, <laughs> let me introduce our two guests. Ileda is CEO and co-founder of the Organic Robotics Corporation, graduate of Cornell University in Mechanical Engineering. Mm. We'll also meet Dr. Rob Shepard, Associate Professor at the Sibley School of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering at Cornell University, studied at Harvard in George Whiteside's Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology, where, of all things, he realized he was going into robotics. And no surprise to see that he is CTO and co-founder of the Organic Robotics Corporation. Awesome. Welcome, guys. Elida. You should say your name so that we can all just know Elida. 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 Okay. And your last name, please. Go ahead. Shal Miguel. Shal Miguel. Shal Miguel. Okay. So what is the smart suit thing? What, like, what is a smart suit? We all, we all have these images of Neil and Buzz on the moon with these big bulky suits as they're skipping along. But they don't look very nimble and they don't look as comfortable as perhaps they could be. I don't know. So what? Uh, so our image of being in space is that. All right, so how are you going to change this? Well, I think uh, I have a collaborator, Anna Diaz-Artiaz at um, Texas A&M, and she makes, she's into bioastronautics. She wants to make spacesuits that astronauts want to wear, that they can maybe perform more like athletes here on Earth. And what Buzz had to do was fight against pressure in the suit to bend, bend his arm. And uh, one of the things she wants to do is make mechanical counterpressure suits, which is more like what you see on the Star Trek movies, right. where it's conformal stuff and it's squeezing your um, your skin to keep that pressure differential from you know popping you a little bit. Um, and but so I hadn't really thought about that because if I have if because I'm in, a, in in basically zero pressure atmosphere, right? So you have to put pressure back on me so that my blood doesn't boil or the weird things don't happen, right? And so with that pressure, I don't have, I don't have, I can't move it in my joints, right? Because there's pressure everywhere. So you need some kind of mechanism to get through all the joint parts, not only my elbow, but my shoulder, my fingers. Yeah, so there's two ways to do it. One is to use the same suits you're being used today and augment the force so that you can get help fighting against that pressure. Or you can remove the internally pressurized suit altogether and just have like a um, compression garment that squeezes you. Mm -hmm. um, and then your joints are less hindered to move. Like in a flight suit, when you... Uh it squeezes your lower extremities so that the blood isn't draining down and it pushes everything up so you don't pass out. Yeah, it's pretty similar to that. Like a, so a giraffe actually has something like an evolved G-suit. So they have a high pressure from their heart to feed blood to their brains. But when they lean down to drink water, um, their heads don't explode because they have you know, fascia That's and good. skin. That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's squeezing it. I think the Giraffes 101, their heads kept exploding, right? By so, the way, that, that is a great name for a bar, the exploding giraffe head. You know? <laughs> Come drink in our word of hole. <laughs> so the more so it, it can it, be like giraffe skin, the better. 
So, Elida, what does organic have to do with any of this? When I think of material science and I think of robotics, biology doesn't ever enter my head here. So, um, what is the organic part of this? Well, I think that's actually a better question for Rob because we just took his lab's name and then added corporation instead of lab to it. So that's why we're, call, we're called Organic Robotics Corporation instead of Organic Robotics Lab. But, you know, we're now going for Light Lace, which is the name of the technology, which we can talk later, but you can talk more about the organic stuff. It's not food. Everyone's like, oh, is it food? Organic means... USDA is certified. Yeah, you have mm. organic robots in the in the organic aisle of Whole Foods, right? Is that mm. what's going to be next? Uh, it's just organic chemistry, using chemistry to make um, robots and now pe people better um, than, you know, machined aluminum. Or, and bolts and, and stuff like that. So, mm. so whoever wants to answer this out of the two of you, um, soft robotic technology, what does it actually mean? And, and am I right in saying it's kind of like biomimicry here? Are we, or am I on the wrong path? Yeah, I'm glad you gave me an opportunity to do that because I think we're evolving towards where um, the company started and you know my lab sort of has taken its own direction. So I started off at Cornell in mechanical engineering, taking what I learned at Harvard, making soft robot machines. Um, and what they are is just um, continuum deformations, smooth deformations that don't look like hinged robots from the, you know, that you think of from the 50s. They're made up mm. of materials like animals. They move more like animals. But everything we made at Harvard was um, what's called uh, feed forward in a robot. Like you issue a command and then it just does it, but it can't respond to the environment because it doesn't have any sensing. Um, so what we did in my lab here at Cornell was to add um, soft sensors to the system touch sensors so it could feel what it's interacting with and then respond to it and make a truly feedback-controlled um, soft robot. Um, and so then it can feel and respond and look like an animal. Um, and we use optical light guides instead of electrical sensors um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and Elida was in my lab making these sensors for robots and then decided, why don't we just use these on people instead? And then that's when the company started. And that's um, the lab continues to make stuff for robots. The company makes stuff for people. Okay, by the way, that's the plot of a disaster movie, right? <laughs> where, where, where the brilliant engineers say, let's well, do this on people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and everything turns for the worst. So how, how, do you, how do you scientifically go from knowing as, as our fingers can touch and sense to being able to interpret, touch, and replicate it for one of your technologies? It's very basic. We, in, we, don't, we cannot do it nearly as well as organisms do. Um, there's a variety of mechanoreceptors in our skin that re respond to different pressures and different frequencies of pressure, mm -hmm. um, temperature. Um, and it, this is a lot of information that we have to encode and then send to our brains um, and we only have a limited space to do that with. So we encode this multitude of information into um, electrical signals spiked through our neurons. And then our brain interprets that, interprets that information, and then sends commands out. Um, one of the reasons we use optical systems um, in my group instead of electrical ones is you can encode more information optically than you can electrically. Ah. Hence, the, hence the urge to lay fiber optics for for media communications. Right. You, mm. you can 
pulse at high frequencies, but you also have phase information, color information, and intensity. Right. Right. Um, all of them can represent a different mode of touch feedback. And you can encode that into one signal and then send that to the computer, which then sends the response. Well, using light instead of electricity, does that mean you're immune to the electromagnetic pulse that the aliens will send down and, mm, yes. and cripple our civilization? Is that it, right? it, it is a big, it actually is a, you know, it's, it's a very important point you bring up. We're immune to electromagnetic interference. So you can, you, you could potentially use these things in like MRIs um, or other places where magnetic fields can penetrate or electric fields. So yeah, well, they're in a cockpit. Um, there's a lot of um, places where you can And that. be resistant to aliens. <laughs> Every time the aliens come, they shut off your electricity, yeah, right? Yeah, with the AMP. Yeah, everybody you know, knows that. Everybody I mean, knows they're going to... First, first, first uh, line of attack is the EMP. That's right. And uh, then they're right. just like, clearly they're using some type of optic system. <laughs> <laughs> We've so, underestimated them. So unfortunately, we still have to convert it to electrical signals. So there is... In the end, uh, yes. Yeah, in the end. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. sorry. So how, how accurate is this fiber optic ability? So, because I'm... I, 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 it's as Neil said. It's media. It's it's TV. It's it's a telephone connection. But you're using it in a totally different way. Yeah. So you're obviously using. How are you interpreting how that light changes in terms of the results that you then decode and interpret? We use uh, color and intensity right now, and we make our sensors so that they can change color when they're stretched, and they can change intensity when they're stretched. Um, stretching can be linear or pressing or something like that, but um, we're not as sensitive as something called a fiber brag grading optical waveguide, um, mm. which are they're sensitive to um, hundreds of nanometers of movement. Um, we are sensitive to tens of microns of movement. That's like a human hair diameter, but we think that's sufficient for robots and people. And by making that trade-off, we can make our systems much cheaper. Um, and and much smaller. It would seem overkill if you had nanometer sensitivities. That, yeah. that's there's nothing we do in our life that that where when that do matters. we ever? Yeah, where, right. where you like that? I think that was a nanometer off. <laughs> oh, no wonder I missed that pool shot. Mm. Yeah, just in case people want to know, anatomy is a billionth of a meter. So, right. Yeah, we're not. But a human hair, that's something we can see. We, that means mm. something to us. We can feel right. that. We decided that was a good target. Um, because, yes, exactly what you said, you can feel that, but you can't feel a nanometer. Right, right, of course. Mm. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, more of the secrets of this emergent technology of these spacesuits that will basically replace humans and we'll all die. Mm. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's, is that where this show is going, Gary? No, <laughs> I, I did envision you a happier note. But <laughs> Okay. All right, yeah. so we'll be right back. Star Talk Sports Edition. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. 
See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. We're talking about sort of robotic suits. For all manner of applications, that not only that we've thought of, but maybe stuff we haven't even dreamt of yet. We've got two mechanical engineers turned roboticists here. We've got Ilada Shamilgil and Rob Shepard as our guests. So let me start off. Uh, Ilada, tell me, in my notes here, we say something about light lace and fiber optic tech. What, what, is, what precisely is that? So light lace is the name of our technology. It's a fiber optic sensor, but unlike other fiber optic sensors, it's soft and stretchable. And that's why we're applying it to humans. Because if you're wearing a wearable device, you don't want to have bulky or uncomfortable fibers or electronics on you. So um, that's our technology. It's a soft and stretchable fiber optic sensor. And it measures things like motion. It measures your missile fatigue. It can measure your chest extension, respiration, heart rate. So basically, it is a way to track your vitals as well as your biomechanics while being comfortable. Whoa, because, you know, this reminds me, I haven't heard this reference lately, but Chuck Chuck and Gary might remember. There's an expression that says, uh, it was all over you like a cheap suit, <laughs> all right? Yeah. And, and a cheap suit doesn't fit you well, but and but it needs to in order to look good on you. But if it doesn't fit you well, you move one arm and other pieces of the cloth move and it climbs up your neck and so, so what you're saying, not to put words in your mouth, is that previous suits were wearing you. <laughs> Whereas now you get to wear the suit. Is that a fair characterization of this? I think we can say that. And I think one of our selling points is that you wear compression garments or like tight-fitting clothing to exercise anyways. So just going to feel the same way, but now we're making them smarter. 
Right. right. So everything in Lululemon is is snug fitting on everybody's body who buys clothing there. So now it's going to know all about you, is what you're saying. How how is the data retrieved? Like, I mean, what yeah. is this? How is this speaking to whatever uh, it's speaking to, so that we get all this information? Yeah, it's pretty similar to other wearable devices. We have a phone app, like an iOS app, you can download, and it speaks to the device via Bluetooth. So you can just look at your measurements real time, or stop your exercise and just log in and see how you did. So Ooh. when you've put the fibers through fabric, is there an optimal pattern for those fibers, fibers to be woven into? Or is it basically a simple grid system? Mm -hmm. There is an optimal pattern because our fibers are made so that only parts of the fibers are sensing and we want the sensing mechanism to be where we want to sense. So if you want to sense your tricep, the fiber has to be, the sensing part of the fiber has to be woven into or integrated into the garment in that specific area. If you're sensing your chest I want to monitor my, yeah. I want to monitor my belly fat. So would you put sensors? <laughs> we, we've done something where we place our sensors around the abdominal area to measure how you're stiffening your muscles when you're doing certain exercises. Mm -hmm. So what we could do is, you could wear this every day and it will eventually tell you if your belly got larger in size or it got um, smaller in size or it's stiffer when you touch it. You know, you could, we could also measure um, the response back when you touch it. So if it's soft, we can measure that. If it's no longer soft, we can measure that. So definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are you able to weave this into fabrics that are very slight, high performance, say like for a dancer, a performer, an athlete, or do the fibers, and you said they're the sort of diameter of a human hair, are they necessary to be in thicker, more heavyweight fabric? Or can you really go into lightweight? We can't go into lightweight, but just a clarification, the fibers we currently make are not as thin as human hair. It is oh. possible. Mm -hmm. Currently, they're around 800 microns um, in diameter. And we prefer actually thinner fabric for them to go into because like, especially if you're going to wear it outside in summer, you don't want to wear something thick, but we could do either. So right now we're talking about diagnostic and if I'm getting ahead, Gary, then no, we'll, no, go we'll ahead, go it. for it, go for it. Um, so instead of listening to the body, which is what you're doing, how, is there an opportunity to tell the body what to do? So we can tell the human that they need to do something about it, but we're not trainers ourselves, so we're gonna have to rely on a trainer to look at the data and say, oh, okay, when you do this training five times in a row. 10 minutes intervals, this is how your body reacts. So maybe you should change this. And then they can take more data and see how that change affected that um, response. Oh, and you get real-time data, right. multi-dimensional data there. That's excellent. Okay. Uh, so I think Chuck wants to know about actuation and how you can you modulate go. the force. Um, but sensors are hard enough. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do that <laughs> first. <laughs> And then there you go. Rolling. You're like, okay, I got you. You're like, yeah, you're, you're in that sci, you're in the sci-fi uh, mode there, Chuck. There are people cool. working on it. It's very hard. My lab is working on it, but it's for a company. Right. It's very difficult. But it, but if you could, then it could be like, like the force. You you can go on your app and just change what the body, the human body is doing in response to your wants and needs. Yeah, that's why that's one of the things the bioastronautics application is for. It's the sensors for measuring the environment. And they're also built-in actuators into the um, mechanical counterpressure suit to help them perform better. Mm, right, right, right. Wow, that right. is crazy. Okay. 
So back to what uh, Elida just mentioned when you're talking about we have this tranche of data and then we offer this reservoir of data, is it possible at one, at one point you'll be putting personal trainers out of work because that data will be uploaded to an AI cloud and it will make those determinations for you? Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I mean, I think this can go... Yeah, we can say that for many other jobs, like a lot of technologies have the potential to take over or complemented. We want to be on the side of complementing the physical ther- uh, personal trainer or physical right. therapist or a coach, but we're not trying to take anyone's job. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> I see what you're doing there, Elida, because you're like, look, these personal trainers, they're pretty large people and they're very, very fit. <laughs> we, we, we don't, don't want to piss them right. off. We don't want to piss these guys off. <laughs> so the, the thing here is major, major league sport has already taken note of lightness. And you've, congratulations, by the way, uh, were awarded an NFL award for $50,000 first and future award for your product. Um, what was it that they saw in Lightlace that made them so enamored? Can you kind of shine a light, pun intended, on that for us? <laughs> we get a lot of light puns for sure. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of selling points of our product. I think one being we can measure different things at the same time instead of relying on like three devices. You can just use one shirt that has light lace and it can measure both your respiration, your muscle fatigue, and your motion. So if you want to do this currently, you would need three different devices. So maybe like a strap that does respiration. You would need sensors that go in your muscles to do that. And then you'd need camera-based systems for motion tracking. We combine all of it. I think there's a lot of value in that. And because we're an optical-based technology, we have higher sampling grades. So if there's inconsistency between each movement, we're more likely to measure that compared to any other sensor. So I think that was another reason why they were interested. And lastly, I'd also add this. This is a shirt. Like We have some shorts behind me, but it doesn't have to be a shirt. And for NFL, for example, leggings, lower body, those are also very important. And it's very, very simple for us to just integrate the sensor into leggings or lower body garments and measure that as well. So there's a potential to measure full body, gloves, shirts, leggings, socks, shoes. It doesn't, depending on what the person wants to know, we don't really have a lot of limitations when it comes to the form factor. How, how well do you think, Rob, your light lace will perform in an NFL game when it comes to contact? Because you have pressure sensors here. Well, yeah, and not, it's contact and weather conditions as well because you're you're playing mm. in every single conceivable yeah. weather condition in the AFL. Plus, you're sweating and you're on sweating top of your fiber yeah. optics, yeah, and okay. you're having a car collision on every single play. So you put that right as together. they describe it. Yeah, they describe the the impact of every tackle as though you're in a car accident every single time. There are rapid decelerations for sure. Um, we can capture those, uh, as Elida mentioned. We we can sample really really fast. Think of this as a wearable, ultra-high-speed motion capture system that can also measure pressure interactions. Um, it has to be worn close to the body, so the temperature variations aren't that big a deal because um, your body's going to sort of maintain that. It's own body um, temperature, right? It's not electrical, so you can get it wet. Um, there's not really that many environmental sensitivities for using sports, and they can handle high pressures there. Um, they're soft, but they're very tough. And toughness means you can absorb a lot of energy before you break. So you know what this sounds like? With if you if 
if you have a full body uh, lace, it's everything, right? Neck, head, everything. Mm. And then you go up with your, with your iOS app. That's a tricorder, yep. isn't it? That's, that was it's great. Isn't that a tricorder? The tricorder measures everything that's going on in the body without cutting you open. That's kind of what you've done there. We don't have to just use our sensor. We can fuse lots of different sensor information. Right. Um, your Apple Watch uses photoplethysmography, which yeah. shines light in, measures the reflected light out. Right. Yep. And from that, they can you can get a lot of things. You can get um, systolic pressure. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You can get respiration rate. Um, but what what those systems are missing is also you get your ox numbers too, right? I mean. Yeah, that's pulse how oximetry. pulse oximeter works. Yeah, the pulse oximeter, right, right. The amount of signal processing that goes on to get all that information from that little bit of blood flow is incredible. Yeah. Um, what is not there is the the amount of air inhaled, um, which is extremely important. You can you can calibrate that by seeing the expansion and contraction of the chest cavity, can't you? We can. Right. So yeah, yeah that's part of. So yeah. this is better than a tricorder, oh, without a doubt. You have exceeded 25th century technology right here. Look at you. If we take a step back, you, we take a step back. You said this is more accurate than the high-speed cameras. Now, we've done shows in the past discussing high-speed cameras, and it was exclusively on baseball and in particular pitchers. Are you, are you now being co-opted to bring this product to baseball, be it college, be it minor league or major league? And are you working with the pitchers? If you can, if you can outgun a high-speed camera, um, you've got to be in there, surely. Yeah, we're definitely, baseball is going to be our beachhead market. We think there's a lot of value there because they move really fast, especially pitchers. And even with human eye or motion capture camera-based motion capture systems, it's hard to capture that because everything happens in less than two seconds. So if you take a, camera-based system and you get maybe like four data points throughout the pitch, we can give you, let's say, 400 data points. And that's, right. so you don't have to interplate between the pitch. You can just look at the pitch and you'll be able to see, oh, pitch one versus pitch 10. Right. At this millisecond, you behave differently. And maybe that's why you're not pitching as fast, or maybe that's why you're going to get injured. Um. Well, more importantly, well, not more importantly, uh, just as important, is form for everything. Yes. Form is all of sports. Yep. It's all about having that form become a, a non-conscious second nature. Muscle memory. Yeah. Muscle, thank you. Yeah. Muscle mm -hmm. memory. To help you guys are injury. actually able to teach muscle memory. Yeah. Um, so there's a study in 2015 by the first author, I think is Wilk. And uh, what they... <laughs> showed is that um, after they sampled 300 baseball players, um, the ones that had the greater shoulder mobility were four times less likely to need Tommy John surgery. So if you can help them increase their um, external, internal rotation um, uh, degree of freedom, then they can re increase their lifetime um, with some reasonable probability. So teaching form is really important. And... Um, these these things, a pitch takes two seconds, but the initial accelerations take milliseconds and it's obscured. So if you are trying to capture it with external cameras, those cameras need, you really, and these are, we're talking about 10,000 degrees per second shoulder rotations. If you're capturing 
at a thousand samples per second, you're undersampling and you really need to be sampling at, you know, maybe 10 times the rate for a non-periodic motion. Um, there's something called the Nyquist criterion, which says twice, but that's for a periodic motion. For something aperiodic like this, it needs to be even more than that. Just to clarify, so if you have something that repeats you can, and you want to measure it, you can say how many data points on this repeating feature do I need to characterize exactly what's going on? And that's your Nyquist frequency you're describing. But if it doesn't repeat, you don't, you can't, all bets are off. You can't compare what right? doesn't repeat. <laughs> no, that's right. it. <laughs> and, and that's an important point. We think that pitching inconsistency is a huge variable that cannot be measured right now to, to what matters. This is a hypothesis and we need to validate it. But we think by measuring faster, you will reveal that the accelerations are faster than are being measured right now. Um, and then if you can't, re if you don't know it and you can't repeat it, you can't get these consistencies. And further, the torques generated in this, we think are being radically under-reported. Um, and mm. that, that can result in injuries. And you wonder why can't people tell when these injuries are gonna happen? You should know the soft tissue loading conditions that are viable, but pitchers enter themselves all the time. Coaches are going to love know, this. This is even outside of sports. Yeah, I'm just thinking about these applications um, for rehabilitation, not of athletes, but I'm talking people who have catastrophic um, injuries. Yeah, where they have to learn again how to walk. Everybody thinks that we walk. You learned how to walk. You actually learned how to do all the things that you do that mm -hmm. you take for granted. Your brain is running, you know, a process that lets you do these things. And if you damage your brain, then it doesn't work anymore. You have to relearn it. This kind of technology could greatly reduce the amount of time it takes to do that. Yeah, definitely. There's rehab applications, physical therapy applications. It's just a way to get feedback. If, you know, if your brain can't get that from your sensors, you can use external sensors like light lace and see that feedback on an app and then try to behave that way and see how change of behavior, change of the way you're moving, change of your motion is affecting that light lace reading. Uh, one of the themes here is that uh, we have sensors, we can feel ourselves but we have imperfect memories and biased memories. And so being able to digitally think? record. Think? <laughs> <laughs> I constantly think I'm 6'2". So, but anyway, we have, uh, we have these, if we can digitally record this information, then we can go back, not just with ourselves, but with other sports scientists and physiologists and help you with less bias, interpret what's happening. And, and physical therapy, a great application where I'm horrible at doing physical therapy. I've never successfully completed a physical therapy <laughs> A regimen. Um, and I think if I was reporting my information to the doctor, um, they would be able to call me out on not actually doing it, you know, and help me improve faster. And I just want to highlight for something, because you just said it, and I want to make it clear. Mm. When you refer to the acceleration in a pitcher, just what's going on, the ball is going from zero miles an hour to a hundred miles an hour in a fraction of a second. All right. And you know, from, you know, the, the pitcher gets ready and then they cock their arm. And as their hand goes forward, they're accelerating the ball from zero to 100 miles an hour. There's nothing we do in life that accelerates that fast, right? In a car, your head would snap off and roll backwards. So, but there's not only that, there's also 
there's some rotation of the wrist. I mean, there's a lot of sort of joint action going on there, and you capture all of that. I'm, I'm very impressed by what oh, this yeah. is and what mm -hmm. it can can do for us. Thanks for saying that. And it's really Elida who, who, who identified that beachhead market, and I've been fascinated with it. And yes, in two seconds, 100 miles per hour, but how fast is it, does it get, you know, in the first 80% of that velocity, how does it, what, what time duration does it achieve that? And we think it's, um, and, and this is backed up by some other data um, that it, it happens in like very soon in the in the pitch. And then this is also why people with longer arms are, are viewed as better pitchers because they can apply that acceleration for longer periods of time. Um, or they can do the same speed by accelerating at a slower rate over a longer period of time, which can preserve their um, joints for longer. But we have examples of pitchers who defy that. Um, and then how do they defy that? Like Pedro Martinez was not a tall pitcher for the Red Sox. I think he might have been sub six feet even. Tim Lincecum was 5'10", I believe. And, mm -hmm. and if you look at his biomechanics, he, he extends his... Most pitchers will pitch over something like 85% of their wingspan, they'll, they'll move that. But he did it like 125% or something like that. You know, there's all kinds of stuff to going for biomechanics and injury reduction. And, and these, it's, been, it's great that systems like, um, what are they, TrackMan and... Um, Hawkeye, TrackMan. All, all of these motion capture systems that are out there yeah. now, and some, that are in, um, some are even getting higher in sampling rates, um, are providing all this information. But being able to have that unobscured at rates, I mean, there's really nothing limiting it. We could potentially do millions of samples per second. Mm. And they all use cameras. They all use yeah. cameras. See, the mm -hmm. thing is, you're, you're, yeah. you're at the actual source. Yeah, yeah exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. There That's is not a sport that will embrace detail, detailed data like this, like baseball. The coaches yeah, and the GMs are going to love you. Now, They'll eat we, it up. They'll yeah. eat it up. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out what the future of all of this can be in the third segment of Star Talk Sports Edition when we return. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.
We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. We're talking about the future of monitoring what your body is doing on the inside, but you're doing it from the outside <laughs> with this magic material that our two guests have pioneered. And I think I perfected your names here. So you have <laughs> Ilyad, Ilyada? Ilyada. Ilyada. That's good. Yeah, oh, good. Elida Shamilgi. You moved to an A minus from B plus. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> and Rob, Rob Shepard, uh, you guys are uh, mechanical engineers, and but you're into robotics. You're into robotic monitoring, uh, the human condition, on and sports has a huge benefit from this, particularly which we're spending time on, which we spent time in the last segment. The, the rate at which you can gather information on something that is moving fast and is non-repetitive is without precedent here. So uh, what, are, what are your best applications today? And what do you see coming down the pike tomorrow? Yeah, I think as we briefly discussed earlier, the best application right now would be baseball and pitchers specifically because of the high-speed motion they go through and how often they go through that motion, which usually results in injuries. It's very common to have a Tommy John surgery there. But whether we see this in the future, like I said, we want to make full-body garments, not just shirts or not just straps, but also leggings, shoes, socks, really anything you want to measure or any area you want to measure. And we want to apply not only to sports, but also provide medical benefits like clinical application, physical therapy. We've looked into robotics, of course, and even car seats. You know, we had interest in measuring comfort levels, driver attentiveness. Did you forget your child? It happens a lot in the car. <laughs> oh, hey, so, hey, hey, it only <laughs> happened twice. Okay. <laughs> and the third time it was on purpose. Right? No judgment. <laughs> no judgment. Yeah, look, Elida, when you discuss those applications outside of the sporting realm, I'm sitting here wondering, and I, I'm not a computer gamer, but this sounds like it is absolutely set to walk <laughs> itself into VR and AR. Now, has that universe come to you? What, yeah, why? definitely. I'm. I'm surprised I forgot to mention that, but the why is, so there are two different routes we can go for when it comes to AR, VR training. So we can do training. So instead of just seeing a reconstruction of your hands or your body in the VR environment, you'd also receive feedback on how much force you're applying. So if you're learning, say, medical training, you need to know how much exactly to push when you're doing a surgery. And you could get that measurement with our sensors if you were wearing them. And then gaming, the same thing. Instead of just seeing your body on the VR environment, you can get feedback on how much you're pushing, how much you're pulling something, what that results in, like in the gaming environment. So it makes it more real. Yeah. So now you're, this is information flowing in one direction. Do you have the ability to send information back? So, you know, if if I'm... I'm talking for corrective purposes. Mm -hmm. So if I'm throwing and your um, fabric is saying, hey, man, what you're doing right <laughs> now is you're stressing right here in this part of your rotator, boom. And if you continue to do that, we know when those going to happen. Mm -hmm. But at the point where it's happening, is there something, is there a signal that can be sent that lets me know, oh, I just did that. And then if I don't feel that, oh, that's, I did it right. That type of deal. Yeah, there are a couple of different ways we can do this. 
One of them being we can send the information back via a uh, different light pattern. So uh -huh. our sensors glow. We can make them not glow or we can make them glow in different patterns. So maybe having them glow three times or glow the, having them glow red could mean you are about to get injured. You should stop. We could have them glow green to mean something else. And the other way to go with this is have the app tell you. So if you have your phone or iPad or device in front of you, it could also just tell you there. This is great feedback, Chuck. We'll build that in there. So another thing we do is, <laughs> is put, uh, put a little vibrotactile thing in the pod. Like yeah. I said, this has an electrical portion mm -hmm. too, which is located, a small pod located. You're going to make garments glow and change color. You're gonna yeah, sweep up. You're gonna sweep up the teen market. You're gonna get the twenty somethings. <laughs> you're gonna get the thirty somethings and the forty somethings. You still think they're twenty something? Not <laughs> to mention all the ravers that yes. will go into a yes. club and get rid of their light sticks so that they can just use their shoulders. That's it. That's what I'm saying. So look, I gotta, I gotta ask you now. Have and what you're doing is is incredible, but now. Is there a dialogue between your sort Wait, of... Gary, I find what they're doing entirely credible. It's not incredible. It's entirely credible. <laughs> Thank okay. you. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I stand corrected or sit corrected. The work that biomedical engineers are doing, trying to map and code signaling, the neural signals, how long before you guys talk to them and you come up with something together? I mean, from, from my... So my lab, we this is where... We both work on wearables and robotics, which is prosthetics. Um, and so measuring signals from the outside world and transmitting it to our body through electrical impulses is something we have worked on in the past and are continuing to work on, but it's of such a long slog. And um, Well, electrical impulses that you feel on your skin or that you somehow impart into the brain? Uh, that you would impart into sensors in your skin, which then would send that information to the brain. Right. Yeah, it's almost the same thing, right? Because your brain is sensing the rest of your body. Right? Yeah, so. and and we we worked on the hardware part, which is making a prosthetic hand um, that actually is pretty good, and it has it's lightweight, high force, it's quick, um, feedback controlled, and everything, um, and it's quite simple at least for us to add the capability for that hardware to output electrical impulses that could be then used. So something I saw that you've been working on is embodied energy systems. Mm. And I've seen mm -hmm. a, a little tiny little video of your soft aquatic robot, which I would mm -hmm. call a fish. Um, but <laughs> it's been called a soft aquatic robot. So talk to me about embodied energy systems, because that's I think that's going to talk Chuck out. Okay. Uh, yeah. So if you look at uh, the best example, the general purpose robot today, I think is Spot from Boston Dynamics, that yellow quadruped that walks around. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so we can do that for about, at least the last time I, I heard, is 90 minutes. Um, wait, wait, is that the one that opened the door? Two of them opened the door and the other one walked through? Yeah, there's appendages now that have hands. And so it can, yeah, it's really useful. Fed robots for a long time, but they're very specific. This one, you can tune to do lots of different things. Um, but it can only do it for 90 minutes. Where if you look at something, I like to use a walrus as an example. Um, a walrus has a ton of fat on it, but that fat is multifunctional. That you can, a walrus can operate without recharging for you know weeks at a time, um, and it can just sit still for you know theoretically months at a time. But it can do has all kind of agile things. It can it could outrun you. 
um, it, definitely me. Um, they're fast on land, they can swim, they do all kinds of things. And they can do it because they're using their energy in a multifunctional way. It's not just a battery pack that isn't adding anything else to the system. So what we wait, wait, decided... Rob, if, if a walrus is chasing me on, mm -hmm. the, on the land, mm -hmm. it's not catching me. I, <laughs> okay. I would never live that one down. Okay. This they one here is not going to catch. Yeah, okay. they can they're charge really fast. fast. They're pretty mm -hmm. fast. I'm they're just like, saying. They're like, no, think of a hippo in the water. You would think big fat ass hippo will never catch me. <laughs> But you put a hippo in the water, those suckers are moving like a little motorboat. I know, I'm just saying, the, the I, can't, way they, I would never live it down the, the next day. A walrus your willpower would uh, chase yeah, me succeed. down on land, okay? <laughs> but go on. So we've decided to make liquid that could be used as hydraulic fluids for moving robots around also as the battery. So the liquid has electrical potential that we use to power the robot. So we've called it robot blood. Um, and now we Ooh. recently published something called the Robot Heart, which is a stretchable pump that behaves. It's electrical. It's not the same way it's our body works. There's no muscle. Our, our heart muscle. is electrical too, though, Rob. That's a good point. Thank you. for yeah. Yeah, mm. That's great. <laughs> I'll start using that. Um, <laughs> stretchable soft pump that it also pumps the same blood that powers the heart um, and then gets, gets everything moving. So the, okay. the energy See. is doing a lot more than just powering the system. You're creeping me out. Told you. Okay. <laughs> You're creeping me out. Because now you got robots that have a heart and they got blood and they can feel and they yeah. and they don't need to be recharged. And <laughs> wait, wait, uh, Chuck, Chuck, if it bleeds, we can kill it. If it bleeds, okay. we can kill it. That's a good point. It. Yeah. yeah. That's it. You've built a synthetic vascular system into mm -hmm. your robots as well. Mm -hmm. So if it if this fluid is, is it energy dense, it's, it's not just as a hydraulic. It's, is it creating? How is it creating? Well, it's got to be a conductor is and it, hydraulic. Is it just kinetic? Is it kinetic or is it chemical? Or is it both? It's electrochemical. Okay. So the the hydraulic liquid has electrical potential in it, mm -hmm. and then we pass it by electrodes, which then turn that electrical potential into electricity. That's very clever. Thanks. And, and, and Chuck, any any liquid will have a. Uh, have that property, not the electrical properties, but it'll have right. the the pressure properties. So, right, yeah, uh, he's just being clever and double dipping. <laughs> That's on what the, I'm saying. He's, he's using, it. yeah, yeah. It's like our circulatory system. You know, it does many different things. Yeah, it doesn't, it's right. It does many different things. So, you mm -hmm. know, uh, mm -hmm. it's it's making use of one thing in several different ways. Which is that's what nature does. Is, yes. mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's very very clever. Thank and, you. Uh, and by the way, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll stop. <laughs> I'll tell the students stop. Is there anything you could tell us about where you like to sort of look at going in the future? What your mm -hmm. aim is? Where your aim is? Mm -hmm. Well, we my lab we want general purpose robots. And for that, they need to be adaptive, unplanned environments. Space exploration is a great place for mm. that. Um, operate for long periods of time without needing to be recharged. Um, also, ocean exploration. So we're focused on ocean exploration robots and space exploration robots. Uh, but to be adaptive, you need feedback control. It's not just vision. Like, you know, there's almost, I don't think there's an example of an animal that only uses vision. I mean, touch is an important part of adaptivity. So that's why we've spent a lot of time uh, making a robot adapted which these, with these stretchable fiber optic touch sensors. Yeah, well, that makes mm. sense because once again, talking about nature, 
You know, like so many animals in nature use sensors that we would never even begin to understand. Well, we would never <laughs> understand them for our use because we couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, even like something as simple as a snake sticking out its tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. or or a dog. You know, sniffing another dog's butt. You know, they're <laughs> really. You had to go there. Really, no, come on. Let's be honest. They they're not just. <laughs> Perverts. No, 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 a lot question. of information. No, 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 Chuck, Chuck. The question for the ages is: if dogs can smell things like miles away, yeah, why do they have to get within a quarter inch of a butt to smell it? Okay, it I take it back. They that. are perverts. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't that mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, you know what, Jim? I know it was you from a block away, but eh, what the hell? I want to like double check I at a quarter I'd of an inch. I get up in there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> so, guys, we got to land this plane. Oh, before we do, here. Neil, I need a practical answer. Just how washable is it? Are we talking one wash? <laughs> Two washes? <laughs> Can I get a year out of this? Or can I iron I, it? Can yeah. I can I ring ring it? We need more tests to oh, okay. be able to say that, but we've done tons of tests and they survive. The the electronics part is fully removable, so you can just slide it out and then put it in the washer and dryer. But to be able to say if it will last a year, we need to test it for a year, which we haven't yet. Yes. Done. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, as long as you don't mind me asking. Cool. And one <laughs> last point I just want to uh, verify, and I think it's true. Um, uh, Rob, you were t- describing the limits of the pitching mm. uh, acti- the, the pitching motion that would put a pitcher at risk of requiring Tommy John surgery. That presumably, you don't know any of this in advance. You have to teach the system what will and will not be the consequences of what someone does in the mm-hmm. system to mm-hmm. then have a baseline of data mm-hmm. so that you can advise a next generation of people on what the causes and effects are of their problems. Isn't that correct? You need, don't yeah. you need actual people to try this, get the Tommy John surgery and say, oh, here's why you needed the Tommy John surgery. That's after the fact so that everybody that comes later, it, they can know it before the fact. Yeah, that's, that's a, we need to provide a benefit um, that is not just on injury prevention to get people wearing these so that we can develop the probabilistic models that will allow us go. to predict yeah. when these injuries will happen. Um, but there's also the possibility that we can analytically predict this based off of, again, we think that accelerations are being radically underpredicted based off of um, motion capture data. Mm-hmm. And if we can say that the acceleration is actually you know more than 500 um, degrees per second squared. It's 700 in the first couple of milliseconds, and that'll greatly, that'll change. Just to be clear, that's an angular acceleration. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah, when you um, say degrees, right. Uh-huh. And uh, that could end up with torques that are, you know, 40% more than what people think. And like, no wonder you're, you're, you're tearing your, um, your shoulder, muscle, musculature, ligamenture, and, you know, not just the elbow, although the UCL is what fails mostly. Um, but then that's because that, acceleration is being transferred into that elbow snap. So we think that, yes, we want a probabilistic model, but maybe along the way we can capture information at high enough frame rates that we can actually understand just from a fundamental level. Of course, you're you're breaking your ligaments because you're applying torques that are beyond what they can handle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Technique. All right, guys, it's been a delight to have you as guests on Star Talk Sports Edition. I will be monitoring your space going forward. 
And if you make new developments, be sure to come back on and talk about them. Please do. Right here on Star Talk. Absolutely. Sports Edition. Thank you. All right. Excellent. Uh, Chuck, Gary, always good to have you there, man. Pleasure. Right. Pleasure. As my, as my pleasure. co-host. This has been Star Talk Sports Edition. Uh, all about the future of stuff, figuring out what you're doing inside your own skin, for better or for worse. <laughs> okay. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. Keep looking up. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.